Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supertop podcast. I'm Oshin, recording in Dublin. And I'm Podrig, recording in Vancouver. And I'm Jared Sinclair, recording in Oklahoma City. Oh. Oh, hey, Jared. <laughs> Hi, Jared. Hi. <laughs> Jared joined us before on an earlier episode of our podcast. Uh, he made the OnRed RSS reader app, uh, which Oshin and I now look after, and recently made a new app called Stormcrow. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what Stormcrow is all about? Yeah, it's an app for writing tweet storms which some people hate. I actually think of them as a guilty pleasure. I had been working on something on the side for a year and a half. I started it a couple of Christmases ago and uh, just played with it on the side whenever I had some spare time. And um, recently I realized that I was very close to something that I could ship. So I published it just for fun. You think of Tweetstorms as a guilty pleasure? It's pretty interesting that they've just kind of evolved out of Twitter, just like at replies did. And it seems to be the, the new thing, particularly in the last year or so. I really like that Stormcrow makes them much better because you can actually think about what you're going to say over the course of the 10 tweets or whatever, rather than just having to fire them off as you think about it. And you can go back and edit them and change them. Those tweet storms are kind of hacked onto Twitter threads right now. I don't think Twitter ever intended for people to necessarily use it this way. Do you think Twitter should try to do this more formally? Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever runs product at Twitter, basically they should just let them keep doing what they're doing and do the opposite of whatever the product team comes up with. <laughs> we should change the stars to hearts. We should not change the stars to hearts. We should get rid of all of the at symbols that define the product. We should probably keep the at symbols. No, no, they should just stop touching it. <laughs> you think it's like, for the most part, the core product is there and people are happy enough to build on it? Yeah, I think it's one of those classic situations where, like M. Night Shyamalan, they don't know why their original product was good. <laughs> so they keep iterating on the like worst aspects of it. So you start out with The Sixth Sense and, you know, it's a great movie. And then you end up with something like The Happening with great lines like, guys, take an interest in science. And that weird monologue about hot dogs about two-thirds of the way through the movie. <laughs> so you you mentioned that you started on it about two years, well, you said a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, sitting around my parents' house at Christmas, just thinking, what if I made an app for tweet storms? Uh, at the time, I hadn't written a lot of code in Swift before, so part of it was just getting acclimated to Swift. Having a focused thing to work on can help when you're trying to learn something that's otherwise pretty uncomfortable to get through. What what made you come back to it now and, and ship it last, was it last weekend, the weekend before? Yeah, I just, um, I had a to-do list of things that I wanted to add to it, which is weird for a side project that I'm doing, quote, for fun, quote. As that to-do list started to get whittled down, I realized that there wasn't really anything keeping me from shipping it and seeing if people like it. And buttoned off those one or two things and sent it to the app store. I think it's a really interesting app. Like it shows like a like a remarkable uh, restraint, I guess, in some way. Um, like it's so focused down on this one particular thing. It does. It's not trying to be like a whole Twitter app. And then even down to like how you chose like which features to pay attention to and which things to maybe ignore for now. Like so, one really nice part I think is like the swiping on the on the bar above the keyboard to move the cursor. But then there's other areas on things like say auto completing usernames and stuff like that that didn't get into the the version that shipped last week. Anyhow, but how did you go about like? prioritizing the features and like what you thought was really important? Well, um, as you know, Oshin, we have had a, a change in our politics in the United States. You may have heard about that. I don't know if it reached 
across the ocean or not. But uh, I think I saw a news report or two. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, the U.S. is now a contiguous dumpster fire across 48 states. <laughs> There's the episode name. <laughs> I personally have really enjoyed a lot of the ranty, informative tweet storms I've seen from all over Twitter up to the election and after the election. And I really designed the app around that particular use case. Uh, I intentionally didn't make the app full of the kind of whiz-bang that I otherwise might have done in a fun side project. There's no crazy animations. The design is extremely constrained. I wanted it to look sort of like it was in the aesthetic of Twitter at some point in its timeline without being an exact clone. Mm -hmm. Mostly just to make it feel like it would be an appropriate place to write a series of tweets about a very serious topic. Hmm. So, you know, like we joked earlier about the change from stars to hearts, uh, it, it just boggles my mind that, that Twitter would completely misunderstand that so many people are using a star button to really, like, thumbs up something or bookmark something. Like, you're not going to push a heart button on a tweet about, you know, Syria like it doesn't it it just it's so tone deaf the way they've treated the product so i've tried with stormcrow to make it very underwhelming intentionally so that it supports anything you might want to say one request that i've seen some other people mention on twitter was around would it be possible to link in with other people's messages so that you could reply to somebody else but like turn that into a tweet storm which i guess is an interesting enough idea but i'm not sure like technically like how do you think you would go about something like that or do you think that's something that you would like to support and if so like how would that work in because you wouldn't want i i'm presuming uh for Stormcrow to like be a timeline reader for example where you would see a tweet and then re respond to it there yeah i'm not sure how i do that programmatically it'd be no big deal it's mostly the ui mm -hmm. And how willing I am to spend the time on said UI, given that it's a side project and I don't really need to make it. One of the benefits of software is just like this, where there were a number of features like that one and others, which I thought that folks might need. And when I was more naive, let's say, with previous apps, I would get paranoid about all of the features that I would imagine people complaining about not being there and put myself under the pressure to write all of those things before launching something. And I wonder if that's a lot of that is just self-imposed. I, I think folks might be more forgiving than I've given them credit for in the past about launching something that doesn't have all the features. If people are complaining to you about the lack of a feature, that's usually a good sign. It means they want it to be better. So yeah, I'm actually quite pleased that people complained about one or two things. It means they actually took a look at it and thought about it. Yeah, no, it's good. means they care. <laughs> Has working on client projects changed how you approach personal projects in terms of things like, like scope and features like this? It makes it harder to finish something. I mean, the time scale for a small app like this, if it was my sole focus, would not be a year and a half. It would be a fraction of that. Hmm. But I like it that way because I've been working the past year on separating my emotions around work versus personal projects hmm. with work absolutely the quality matters the timeline and deadlines matter with personal projects if i feel that i'm starting to turn it into work if i'm starting to ask myself questions like what kind of business model should it have it's going to strangle any pleasure that i was getting out of it so 
uh, I don't recommend this for somebody who wants to be an independent developer, but when I launched Stormcrow, I didn't know what price I was going to charge it until I was out at dinner with my iPhone and just picked something. <laughs> the website is awful, which you can kind of get through it on your phone. So there was no plan behind it at all. I just thought, eh, okay, two ninety nine, sure, why not? <laughs> right, and it's very much a, a project you wanted to do that you just put on the store rather than you, you don't see this as like the second coming of nice boy software. Or... No, no, it's like that uh, if folks haven't seen it, there's a video of John Cleese lecturing on creativity that sometimes appears on YouTube and gets pulled down and then appears again, which I uh, allegedly may have ripped a copy of at some point in the past. Yeah, I, someone might have shared that with me recently, and I enjoyed it. It's so it's so good. There's so much good advice in there. One of the key things he he says is that, and, and I believe it, uh, I felt it, is that the one of the easiest ways to ruin creativity is to establish barriers on what you're willing to talk about or think about during your appointed time where you're going to be working on a creative solution to a problem. He says just the opposite. It should feel more like play. It should be humorous. It should be open-ended. There should be no wrong ideas. Instead of, if you're doing it in a group, instead of saying, no, that's not going to work, you say, would it be even better if dot, dot, dot. And I think that same mindset is at play in the way I approached this app is it's not a project it's not a business it has no expectations it could be buggy it could crash it doesn't really matter am i having fun and if the answer is yes then i'm probably also learning and solving new problems i was able to do some stuff with unit tests in there that i've not felt comfortable doing in a production app before i was able to learn a lot of swift aspects and try different swift ideas that maybe i wouldn't have had the the confidence to try in a, a client project and that's stuff that then I can take with me back to work and have been and so that's been very uh, that's been very productive overall very helpful do you think that same approach is how you will keep going with future projects whether say updates to Stormcrow or or any other future uh, project uh, side projects of yours or absolutely i my mental health has been so much better it's you know sometimes you see folks that like and this is outside programming too like maybe you have a hobby where you're making stupid videos for youtube or something like that or recording a silly cover song and somebody will come along and see that you put some time and effort into it and it sounds pretty good and they'll say oh you know what you should quit your job and change your entire profession so you can do that thing for money. Mm -hmm. And it would seem like good advice. And many times it's not because the pleasure that you're actually getting out of this is because there are no expectations. Like it's the way to let off steam. The opposite is how I got into programming. Before I was a programmer, I was a registered nurse and uh, started learning iPhone development as a hobby. Mm. And eventually I got to the point where I had a part-time job that was taking more and more of my hours outside of work and I was stressed then and I had to make a choice between going back to letting it be a hobby or quitting nursing and taking a risk on this other career and I chose to quit nursing and I've been doing this ever since okay so I mean that can happen I guess you don't want to set you don't want to set a limit either way is maybe my point you don't want to impose a premature requirement that a thing should become a job. Sure, yeah, you can let it evolve. But so you said you said that it was an interesting way to to learn 
more swift details and to play with unit testing and generally just have a good creative project to work on. But um, why ship those kinds of projects? Because it's fun to share your work. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I thought that I thought that's what the answer would be, but I thought I would ask. Yeah. And, you know, if if you can make a little bit of coffee money, <laughs> why not? But uh I considered making it free as well, but I thought, eh, why would I say no to a couple hundred bucks over the long haul? Right. <laughs> and the other benefit of charging a price is for a side project, the higher the price, the fewer the customers, the less amount of email and support requests you have to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not release a side project for free that you think a lot of people are going to want to use unless you're prepared to either ignore all the email or spend an enormous amount of time answering email. What have you been doing with Stormcrow? Do you answer the email? or I don't have any email about okay. it. There have been a nice. couple of Twitter questions, and that's fine. I mean, $3 for an after write tweet storms. I'm not setting the world on fire. Let's put it that way. There's something nice about it that brings you back to the like the original days of the iPhone where you could buy a small app to do a one task in a good way. Where now, you know, if you were if you were deciding that you did this, want this to be your business, you would have to turn this into like an elaborate Twitter client with a lot of features. But there's something really sweet about, you know, it's just a tool that you use sometimes. Yeah, and I actually have a number of little utilities that I make for myself that I keep on my phone. And uh, I think one of the other gauges of whether or not you should ship something is if you think it's actually going to be useful for a lot of people. Hmm. I've got one that is just a big text view and a keyboard with no status bar or anything else. It's got a clear button that wipes all the text and a share button that opens a share sheet. And uh, I have it all set to like a, a monochromatic newsprint color scheme. I call that monotone. You know, it's just one note. <laughs> and uh, I might ship that one day or I might not. It's There are other apps that do similar things but they're not exactly what i'd want so that's my quick uh notepad when i need to jot something down and then share it later like when i'm on a phone call and somebody's giving me a confirmation number for a case order or something like that it's my go-to place to just jot it down everything else is too slow right you don't have to open it up and create a new note and name the note it's just like a page Cool. Well, what was the name of that app that you had a few years ago for um, submitting? It was like for qu- just quickly sending a bug or a feature or whatever to Pivotal Tracker. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chippy. Oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah, that's still on the store. I don't think it's sold a copy in since the previous presidential administration, but <laughs> it's still there. You can buy it. I don't. I haven't even logged in the Pivotal Tracker in two or three years. So. Well, if anyone out there is using Pivotal Tracker, I would definitely recommend giving it a look. Eventually, Phil Schiller will find it and pull it down because I haven't touched it in so long. Is it 32 bits? I don't know how many bits it has, actually. <laughs> um, I'll have to check how many bits I put in it. Um, might be 33. Uh-oh. Or maybe I'll update it for GitHub uh, or, excuse me, uh, Fogbugs. We use Fogbugs at my work. And uh, it's I, I never think of issues when I'm sitting at my keyboard. I almost always think of them when I'm someplace else so that was the whole idea behind chippy and i think that's still useful just some place to just go and quickly write the thing down and hit send so you've recorded it where it's supposed to be recorded yeah i definitely know what you mean where like you get ideas or you're out and about using your app and then you see the the problem and it's really nice to have a quick way to log that without just trying to remember it yeah Overall, Jared, anyway, I got to say, really happy to hear that you've found like that really good balance there between uh, the work stuff and the hobby stuff um, and that it's um, bearing fruit. 
with with Stormcrow. I think hobbies are a thing. Podrick and I have talked a little bit, even personally lately, about um, we still haven't quite figured out how to deal with our hobbies, but I'm I'm glad it's working out well for you. <laughs> yeah, and if I was smarter, I would probably layer in a hobby that's not involving a keyboard, like I don't know, traditional hand tool woodworking seems really fascinating. I can send you a link to an amazing video that you can put in the show notes for this guy. It's about a 20-minute video where he takes a piece of wood that was being thrown out from a uh, lumber yard and turns it into a perfectly dimensioned piece of furniture-grade lumber. And it's gorgeous. And he does it all with hand tools and walks you through the process that shows techniques that are hundreds of years old. And it's such a... It's physical. It's quiet. It passes the time in a, in a quality way, and it seems like such a pleasant alternative from worrying about semicolons that maybe I should be doing that instead. Yeah, please send on the link. I definitely, um, I have indulged ideas of, of becoming a carpenter one day myself, so at least I like to watch videos and pretend I'll do it someday. Yeah, maybe I can make a chair. So No, 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 no. I can't sell a chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, th- congrats for sh- shipping that project. I have no problem coming up with ideas on starting these projects, but I find it very hard to get through the middle and then actually ship it. So I, th- I think there's definitely congratulations are in order for getting it out there. And thanks for making a pretty cool app. And thanks for joining us here today. Hopefully we can have you back another time too. Thanks. Well, thanks for joining us, Jared. And everyone should go and download the Stormcrow app on the App Store and then start tweeting tweet storms. So, Ashin, what do you think of social features in podcast apps? I think it's interesting to like consider what they should be. I think a few apps have come out recently, like, for example, Breaker, um, that has started me thinking in this direction. Marco has his social features with the like showing you stuff that you people you follow on Twitter have starred. Um, I thought it was interesting when he like launched that feature. He talked about it more like as like a toe in the water with social stuff to then see where it might go later. And I guess that's as makers of podcast apps, that's of a podcast app. That's a question we need to ask ourselves as well. What's I haven't I haven't actually tried breakers. How does it work? It's essentially you create like this social graph again. So you start following people. It's very similar to an idea that we've actually discussed before, kind of like last FM was, but for podcasts. So Hmm. you follow people, you see every show that they listen to, you see when they notifications, when they follow new people. So you can start like building up and following people that way. And I remember like at some stages during the development of Castro 2 talking about like what kind of discovery features should we have or social features. But we had talked about like something like this, but it's been interesting to kind of see it implemented in Breaker at least and realize like maybe what I think is good about it and what I don't so much. Like I guess my main concern with Breaker at the moment um, is that like I just feel like inundated with information. Every episode that somebody listens to, everybody that someone follows, and it just feels like it's too much noise. Like that, I'm not really getting to the bottom of like discovering new stuff based on this, just because there's I scroll down through the feed and there's just too much to take in that I I don't assign a high enough value, I guess, to like each individual message because there's so many of them. It's interesting to think about. What like what problem is being solved by the social stuff? Anytime we've talked about it in Castro, it's usually a way to make discovery better somehow. Like because I can follow you and see what you're listening to, and then maybe dip into some of those. And I don't have to know everything about podcasts because I can just like 
follow other people's recommendations, which is pretty much what I do for music. Like I find out what my friends are listening to and I see if I like it too. Um, but there's also like this more like separate from discovery altogether, something more about like engagement or a place where people can discuss podcasts and easily reference particular parts of them. Like Twitter, you can share things on Twitter, but it's also kind of the comments section. Yeah. So there's two things you could be trying to do there when you build a podcast social network, at least two anyway. I finished reading the book I was reading the other day and I didn't have the next one lined up on my Kindle. And I went looking at Goodreads, which is like pretty nicely integrated directly with the Kindle. So when you're reading a book, you can just tap a button and tell everyone who's following you that you're reading, which one you're reading now. And when you finish it, you can rate it. So I was able to go in and see of the people I know on Facebook, basically, who read books and use this app, what have they read recently? I think that's closer to what I want for podcasts than like a full on everything yeah everything someone else is doing or discussing it uh like i want a way to find new things based on what my friends are doing more than i want a whole full-on separate app yeah but i think it's also that there's some level of abstraction i think has to happen ideally on top of this data like even if recommendations can come through based on okay everybody who listens to this podcast also listens to this other one or you're following these people and these are all the shows they've listened to in the past week um i think the raw feed of that data is just well it's that it's like it's too raw somebody needs to write some of these magic algorithms that i've been hearing about to Mm -hmm. like really surface the good stuff out of that so that you don't get lost in the in the noise or in the weeds of it all that's the angle marco's gone for in overcast more that it's like trying to collect a bunch of data and then show you something rather than just tell you every single status update about someone yeah and it's based on people starring episodes as well rather than just everything they've listened to yeah the the goodreads comparison really feels like i'm onto something to me i think listening to a podcast is more something i do on my own like than like a social thing it's more like reading a book to me than it is even like watching a tv show with someone else I think there's a difference in like scale or of like like the amount of books that people read, maybe just by the fact of how long it takes to read a book versus listen to an episode of a podcast. Where like, does Goodreads show you every book that your friends have read or just ones that they've recommended? It shows you more than I think I need. But yeah, you're right. It's like it takes a while to read a book, even if you read quickly. So there's probably not more than one a week from a given person. One feature I always used to really like in Google Reader years ago before it stopped existing was like I could follow friends there and they would basically republish some articles that they had read, but with their own commentary on top. And I always really enjoyed that. There was only one or two friends who I followed on it, but that would nearly be the first tab that I would go to if I saw that there was stuff there. Mm. Um, and a lot of that was down to trusting these friends and also knowing that they were going to have like written a little, at least a little caption or a paragraph of their own, like introducing like why they think this is important or what they think of this article. And then that would like tempt me more in. Yeah. It'd be cool if we could bring that linked list format to podcasts or something like that. Like that you could, I guess, link to a particular timestamp or a, a range of like, Oshin says this at minute two second 33 and here's what i think of that i think that'd kind of be an interesting way for commenting to work i guess soundcloud kind of has that with its like where the comments appear as you're playing through something but i've never used it for podcasts or seen it used that way Hmm. 
Are you picturing? I I was picturing initially like text comments, like just introducing this is a like this is a good episode of this for this reason. But obviously, yeah, there are ways that it could be audio content or that it could be like more embedded deeper in the episode and stuff like that, rather than just a, a plain introduction. Um, yeah, this is all very blue skies, I think. But it, it's, <laughs> we're not working on anything like this at the moment, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, well, this is not us like secretly trying to like pitch a future feature that we're working on. This is kind of, I guess, us working through some of these ideas out in the open. We tried to do this thing um, a few weeks ago. I'm going to try and do it again right now. But if anybody does have any thoughts on that kind of stuff and they want to either send us in an email with some thoughts on that or record a little audio clip um, about some of your thinking on that stuff, um, be happy to kind of keep this discussion going on the next episode or, or further into the future. And it'd be good to kind of feel out more over time how social stuff is working or is not working in the current tools and the current apps that we have and like how it can be improved in future. Okay, we're at a kind of an interesting place, an interesting time with Supertop at the moment where we're wrapping up the 2.4 release and should have that out in a few weeks and then starting to think about what the next big thing to work on is. We're a small indie product company that makes money directly from people buying our software and this has kind of been the dream the whole time to like be like panic i guess so like understand a niche and then optimize for it and have have like a reasonable number of customers that you can actually answer the support emails and keep them happy so that's one version of like that we keep keep doing that and maybe launching new products where we that's still roughly the model where we're making software for people and selling it to getting paid directly i, I guess an alternative vision um is the idea of like being more like a i'm doing fingers quotes in the air here when i say like a startup in the very much in the silicon valley sense where we have free apps we just aim to get lots of users aim to grow as fastly as possible eventually have lots of money and staff and stuff like that probably hear from the tone of my voice how <laughs> infrequently i've actually really uh, delved deeply into that vision of the future but it is a possibility of <laughs> somewhere that maybe we should be focusing more in that kind of a direction or then there's kind of that hybrid approach like um, overcast which is a free app and has had various monetization strategies and at the moment it's selling ads to invite people to subscribe to podcasts but it's still it's still one person running it himself. So even though it's doing that free many, many users thing, it's still kept at a scale where it's manageable by one person. That's that's another way to go. And then there's like the more, I think the thing that a lot of people start out thinking they'll do, which is they'll do their own products, but they'll also provide consultancy, which conveniently Shifty Jelly, the guys who make pocket casts are like this, I think. I've always thought it'd be very difficult to balance products with consultancy work i guess we would do contract work for a month here and there when it comes up or if we feel like we need to but the vision is that we're like 100 on product all the time so we try to stay on it for the most part but they seem to do an okay job something about the way that we work together and part of this might even be down to like the physical realities of our situation where i mean we're eight hours apart we don't have an office uh we often are working at different times of the day from each other like i wonder in some ways has that like shaped the way that we work like where we generally focus on like one project at a time i mean we do have a few apps but it's not like even in a terms of a week where that we would spend half the time say working on unread and half the time working on castro it's like we're usually like full force in like okay now we're doing 
working on one particular project at a time rather than juggling a few at once. Um, so with the consultancy thing like that, I feel like consultancy would be always be like a more like temporal thing where there's like a block of it as opposed to like we're just always like juggling consultancy and our own stuff at the same time. Yeah, it definitely with us being eight hours apart in time zones and even further in flights, it seems hard to imagine. Okay, if we had an idea or some particular feature we were chasing where it started to make sense to grow and have staff and go on and do it, I would totally do that if I was on board with the vision of it. But at the moment, it's definitely nice that we can keep it to ourselves and work hours that make sense. I mean, I think up to this point in my life, like, I've always felt more comfortable, like the most comfortable working environment I've found so far in my life is basically the two of us working together. I've done some other jobs and as we said, like some consultancy and like short term contracts with different people and stuff. But um, or and I've also just worked completely by myself. But like what we've done together over the past four or five years, um, this has been the ideal working environment for me, or at least the best one that I've managed to find so far. And so in some ways, I think I would have a hesitation around something that would change that or I've never had a vision of like, oh, yeah, let's like make this and turn this into like 20 people or 200 people or whatever my brain just hasn't really gone that direction but I guess that's not to say that it should always be like that I guess there's a place where you get like I feel comfortable in that right now Hmm. um but I don't know if I would say 100% oh that's the way that I always want it to be when when I was 25 I ended up in charge of a small office in Dublin and I had like three or four employees and it was I don't think I was a very good boss (laughs) I I think now I would do it to achieve something else but it doesn't appeal to me as like a status thing or like a a sign of progress I don't think that if we're in an office and there's 20 of us working on something that's a, a symbol that we've reached a certain level this is also not us hinting at anything, right? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> um, this episode is mostly, well, Jared and then us asking questions of each other and trying to figure stuff out. So what is, why are we talk, talking about this? Like, what's the pressure to figure this stuff out? Like, I think the small indie product company thing has been, we've been doing that since, I don't know, 2012 with various apps we've worked on. And now I guess we're at a point where we have a bit of time to pick our next project. And yet, I guess it's a good time to review that and see if we're still on the right track or not. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And before we recorded podcast earlier, you were telling me about, I think it was a a blog post, was it, that Cable had written? Oh, yeah. Panic blog. um, About when he had walked past a, a business that had closed down and his first, his first impression was, oh, that it's so sad that it closed down. But then it, kind of started him reflecting more on panic and on what he wanted from from that as a company yeah and i think you know, i need to go read the blog post again to remember it because it was a few years back but yeah you can start to think about like every business ends at some point so what does it look like what does it look like when super top ends or when panic ends i guess what's interesting to me about that blog post and i guess what's kind of shaped this bout of reflection um like it's good to be cognizant of your goals with these things what i talked about earlier on about how like would it just be in the two of us like 
I feel like I found like the like the most comfortable working environment for me. Um, but that doesn't mean like in some ways I feel like I could stagnate with that in some way and be like, oh, because I've now found something that's very comfortable, that's what it will always be. And like maybe if that is what we decide and really want, then like that's great. And like we're a long good part of the way towards making that happen. Um, but when we're at a juncture where we're about to like have time and like set out on like a, a next uh, big part of um, our product development. It's good to take a step back and like kind of look at the bigger picture and what do we, what do we really want it to be and make sure that we're moving in the right direction. Hmm. It, like the different visions that we might have for the future of Supertop, it's probably good to like refine or redefine those at different stages or just like either concrete reinforce what we already taught or if there's anything different to like make sure that like we take that on board and decisions that we make for our products and for what we do with our time are based in us being mindful i guess of of like what what our goals are yeah because it's it's hard to think about that stuff when you're halfway through a project or you just don't so it's now's a good time yeah i guess that's about what we have time for on this episode of the Super Dog Podcast. Stay tuned for next episode when we will ask more questions and not answer them. <laughs> uh, we'll be back soon. Okay, bye. Ciao.